Welcome to the Sooner Surge, a podcast from SurgeSportsNetwork.com. Here is the entire Sooner Surge team. Brody, Hunter, Jason, Jackson, Jeremy, and Traber. He tells it like it is, and I'm going to tell you like it is right now. What's up, everybody? Sooner Nation. Welcome to Sooner Surge. Uh, It's been a while since we've had the full team on a normal podcast, so that's what we're going to do here tonight. Fresh off of the three-peat from the softball team and the ceremony they had tonight as we ramp into offseason and football upcoming. So, guys, let's start with softball where it's at and just get opening thoughts here. The opening thought is that we finally got the announcement that Patty Gasso is getting the statue, guys. It's finally she's the the greatest coach to ever coach Oklahoma in any sport. I think we can argue, argue that. But I don't really think there's much of an argument. Just what she's done with the softball program, turning it into not only a Big 12 force but a national force. Everyone nationally knows about OU softball, no matter if it's maybe the most – casual softball person out there they may know who OU is yeah it's about 20 years too late on that statue she really should have got a statue after her first national championship back in 2000 yeah Yeah. she's if Stephen A. Smith talks about you in softball you're pretty big time and what he was saying was spot on and I'm not a huge like he's not my favorite but he exactly he started talking about the pandemic when they were 20 and 4 lost that season because of the pandemic and how guys they were dominant three four years in a row before the pandemic this isn't just the last three or four years this team a decade of dominance and someone even asked patty about how much longer you got and she said i've got a few more in me she's got a few more you're you're right Stephen a smith was right tell you someone who was not right on his takes that's danny cannell I mean, I don't even know it's if Canel. I Canel. Do I even need to pronounce his last name right at this point? Yes, it's I've ever seen. Yeah, but Brody, you got to understand, Danny Canel is also a Florida State alum. Yeah, so, and he's always on Twitter, and he just wants that, to find a reason to bash Oklahoma. The thing that is the most dumb point I've heard is people trying to make this argument that the College World Series needs to be moved. When was the first in Oklahoma City? It was like 2012. Is that right? Okay, Jackson. Well, it's well, been here longer than that. I thought I could be wrong on that. Why well, don't they move? Wasn't just cranking out one streaks and three peats. Then yes, they were good, but over these last ten years, they became more dominant. Even before it wasn't Oklahoma City, Oklahoma wasn't so as good. Yeah, Why and, they- and I, part of their argument does make a lot of sense. Like, of course, it's very convenient for Oklahoma fans to get to Oklahoma City. Like, it's fifteen minutes away. So that part of the argument where it's Basically, home field advantage is true. Now, I do think you can move it a lot of places, and Oklahoma is still going to have the majority of fans. But um, one thing, it's like, well, what's the net? Like, the softball stadium in Oklahoma City, what does it hold? Like, 14,000 in the next? 10,000. But it's, what's the next well, biggest stadium? It's nowhere near that. Yeah, it, it, That argument is so bad because the city of Oklahoma City invested so much into women's sports when no one else would. That is why the Softball Hall of Fame is in Oklahoma City because the taxpayers have paid for it. And so to move it out because Oklahoma is just flat out better than everyone else is just – that's crazy. Why don't don't they move baseball out of Omaha? Exactly. I don't see see Nebraska dominating baseball. 
No, and, and, another- and even if even if Nebraska or Omaha or Creighton was dominating baseball, I would be pissed if they move it from Omaha because yeah. at this point it's tradition. It should be there. That is where the College World Series should be. And that's the same with softball. It should be in Oklahoma City yes, because of exactly. tradition. And if you get into this debate and argument about and you start compromising by moving things to kind of make it a fair playing field, well, then you cannot play the national championship game in Florida if there's a Florida team. You can't play in Arizona if there's USC. I mean, you're going to get into a tricky situation uh, when you're trying USC. to compromise and make it fair. <laughs> USC in uh, Arizona. In Arizona. Geography. Like, there, there wasn't. It's still big... closest to California. Hey, oh. OU twice. OU twice in national championship games. One was against Florida. You heard Joe, you saw Joe Clack kind of bash Danny Cannell with that take. And the other one, they had to go to the Superdome against LSU. Yeah. Hey, There's never, uh, LSU, 2019 LSU is sure. regarded like and, one of the best teams. And there wasn't an argument over it being unfair because they were in the Superdome there. And I'm pretty like, sure, didn't they play in the Cheese Bowl? That was pretty close to Tallahassee. This Who cares about the Cheese Bowl? Yeah. Hey, what well, I'm saying, like, it's an, I, one of the biggest things is like this. What was it? 61 and one for Oklahoma this year. They were absolutely insane. And then you look at it, and they had the the five. They had five players on the uh, all tournament. All five of those players, including the most outstanding player in the tournament, are eligible to return next season. And yeah. just it's not stopping. Oklahoma is going to be the the team to beat in softball. Well, and one thing too is I I get tired. I get so tired of the people that on Twitter and whatever saying they're sick of OU winning championship. You know what? Beat them for once. But exactly. also, and they say it's bad for the game. Did you see the viewership? Did you see how many people watched? It was not like bad. two hey, mil less than Jackson, Let me finish. Jackson, let me finish. Tiger Woods, when he was dominating, everyone said, this isn't good, but did golf get better because of Tiger Woods? Yes. Is softball getting better all around because of Oklahoma? Yes. They can't beat Oklahoma yet, but the teams are going to get stronger because the sport is growing and the viewership is growing. I'm so sick of the people saying they're tired of it. Beat them. And speaking of not only Oklahoma is not just winning on the field, the example they're setting off the field is the top in any sport, any team you see. You cannot tell me one team that's went out there and said what Grace Lyons and Alyssa Brito and Jada Coleman said in that press conference. There is one. You know who it is? The Philadelphia Ew. Eagles under Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. You guys That's remember fair. that year? Yeah. Very similar in how they carried themselves off the field. And you're right. Gasso has built a culture. And even the other day, she said in, in the in the article, it was like she said, whether it's their faith or their heart. I mean, she's allowing the girls to just really be free in how they play and how they believe. But one thing I'd, I'd like to say is, Two things on this. One, uh, you talk about if you can't beat them, there's the phrase, if you can't beat them, join them. That's what you're going to see in the offseason. The portal's going to be all to OU. That's, I, I'm dead serious, guys. Yeah, it, it was They're like going to the get their girls. They're yeah. going to get who they want. I the, second thing, the second thing that I was going to say is, I'd like to hear your guys' take on this, but I, I heard someone talking the other day about, man, it just stinks that Baylor beat them. I actually think if they would have beaten Baylor, they might have lost one of these games. What do you I, guys think? 
I agree with that. The loss, you learn so much more from the, the losses than the wins. And as Patty Gasso has said, she thinks that they lost at the perfect time because it kind of, I wouldn't say it, it kind of humbled them early, put put them back, back down to earth, knowing that they can lose if they're not on their A game all the time. I, I don't think the loss had anything to do with the rest of the year, personally. I think that game they lost was a one-run game, and we saw down the stretch here they had multiple games that were tight, and they made the plays. And just in the Baylor game, I believe they almost won that game, if I, I remember yeah. right. I it, it was three. Really yeah, so they just lost it. I don't think that I, – I really don't think – just listening to the girls that they are, were even the whole year were even trying to do a, a one loss. I mean, it was it was just kind of like they were playing, and that's the outcomes they were getting. It's not like they were uh, trying to win. I mean, they're trying to win fifty three yeah. in a row. But it's not. It's not like they were like. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I don't think the loss really had anything to do with it for them winning fifty three straight. Let me ask you guys this: Next year, obviously, they use lose Grace Lions. I think, to me, there's two scenarios that's going to happen at shortstop unless they get someone to come in. I think Avery Hodge maybe is the logical choice at shortstop. They, they talk about how she's very uh, mobile and really looks comfortable at shortstop. The other option, I think, is for Torres to be bring to third base and Brito slide over to short. Ooh. Just want to know what you guys thought on that position. Hey, I think hey, that's hey, the main – Jada Coleman. Have... Jada Coleman has also mentioned about going to short. But yeah. first off – She's there's zero That'd chance, be... Jackson. She's left-handed. No. Lefties don't play shortstop. She she did. Hey. She did in high school. Yeah, I don't think she will though, guys. One no. one. I I do think they'll add a middle infielder transfer uh to play there. But two, I could see Jennings moving over to shortstop. That's who I could see. And then you could say they when don't add goes. someone from the portal. You could bring in uh, Lilio and let her play second base, and then you have Jennings at short, or you could play someone else at second base. Uh, I think Ball played second base in high school too. Like there, that give you, you just have a lot of options there. But they're not, they won't even consider Jordy Ball at second base. So I don't like that's not even a realistic possibility. Hey, but yeah, what, I don't. And whenever Grace Lyons was hurt, Jennings did play shortstop, and they did play Lilio at second. But I believe there's a great player from Indiana that's a in portal that's a middle infielder, and that's someone I could see OE going after. I'm not for sure on her name, Jason or Jamie. I don't know if, if you guys – are, are you talking about the freshman, the second in the, yeah. in the nation in home runs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yes. I don't remember her name either. I don't, yeah. I don't her name her. is uh, Taryn Kern. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. remember her – what position? Infielder. But it, yeah. like with her, it's all, it's all talk right now, like – as far as what you do, and you'll know more once you get like OVs, you can kind of tell what they'll go after. But yeah, I'd imagine they'll add a middle infielder. Yeah, it's true. And it's just kind of interesting. The one thing that I think is interesting is do they, who steps up in Grace Lyons' leadership role for this next Kenzie year? Kenzie Hansen, Jada Coleman. Yeah, right. There's so many. Yeah, I know, but Lyons. Has in my opinion, we I don't remember the shortstop that was on the ref yesterday, but she's talking about how she thinks Grace Lyons is the best shortstop that ever played Oklahoma, and the impact Grace Lyons has left on on not on, only on the field but off the field. Multiple players have said is like no one else has ever done. So it'll be in interesting to see who maybe takes on that top leadership role. I think they're loaded with leaders on that team. Yeah. I think Riley Boone is going to be it. Yeah, Riley Boone. Riley Boone. 
I got a question for everyone because obviously they're they're losing Starocco, who was an ace for this team, one of their four aces. But you still have Ball, May, and Deal. Do you even need to add a pitcher? Yeah. Like, it it no. just depends Maybe on if there's the one that's there and if they'll it, add one. Out, they'll add a freshman. But do you even need to add a portal? Like you already have your three aces next year. Yeah, but Brody, they're going to add a true freshman because when May graduates, they want another. Well, yeah, they already signed. They already signed a true freshman. Uh, they already signed their class. Okay. Well. Yeah. I, I think Deal will be a lot, a lot bigger role next year. Obviously, um, kind of take over for the Starocco role. But, but great, great to see Starocco end up with that win on, on last game for for her career. So. OU has four signees in their 2023 class. So number 11 player in the class, according to extra inning softball, Maya Bland outfielder, um, Nellie McEnroe Marinus. I, she's from Hawaii. She's an infielder, number six player in the nation. And then they added Ella Parker, who's a utility number three player in the nation. And they also have Caddy from Coeda. Cassidy Pickering. That's I think she's class of 24, I thought. Yeah, she's class 24, I think. That's right, yeah. And number four, it looks like she – did she pitch? I'm not sure, but it doesn't say they have any pitchers signed. So, it only says utility and infielder and outfielder. So, it'll kind of be interesting to do see, speaking that they don't have a, a pitcher signed, if they do try and get someone. Well, well, guys, I mean, you got back-to-back national champs women's gymnastics. Hey, back to back to back women's softball. What about the men, guys? Football. Well, speaking up. of something else that is back to back is the massive recruiting weekends are happening. And Brody, we'll turn this over to you. Obviously, the main guy that's being focused on is really Williams Winery. Obviously, there's other guys, but Williams Winery is the big fish that's in town. Uh, the only defensive lineman that's in town this week. So clearly, Bates. And Chavis are putting a lot of intention and effort to recruit him. Yeah, he's not the only defensive lineman in town. He's the only defensive lineman on an OV. I believe that's what I believe that's what you're trying to make because David Stone uh, is in town as well. I thought Stone went up to Miami. I believe he was supposed to be in for the ninth. He was. Hmm. I thought he put on Twitter he was going to Miami. I could be wrong. He was supposed to be in town. Now, if he is or isn't, not he sure. Was in, he was in Miami, but that's already done with. He already posted on Twitter with the coach and pictures. I think that was a couple days Speaking ago. Speaking of coach and picture, uh, coach and player pictures, did y'all see Winnery and Chavis's picture? Uh, they were up in front of a car, pretty expensive mm-hmm. car. I do like to see that. But, uh, yeah, this week Oklahoma has had Will Winnery, five-star Defensive linemen, these rankings are according to 247. Kobe Black, five-star DB. Marcellus Williams, four-star DB. Zion Raggins, four-star wide receiver. Jason Zendamalea, four-star interior offensive lineman. Weston Davis, four-star interior um, – or not interior, offensive tackle. And then four-star uh, offensive tackle Marquez Easley. And there's a few more names that were also in town as well. So – Grant Brace is another one, and he's, I I believe, some sites list him as a three-star, but more so, I mean, he's, he's, 
he's a four or he's a four star and he's he, guarded by a lot of people but um yeah let me How ask you guys let me ask okay. hunter hunter brody jackson because um, you guys follow up much more closely than me if there's a guy that you would say maybe because we've talked about this before in previous classes who would you say maybe is going to improve their stock like they're maybe underrated Grant Briggs, Grant Briggs, easy call. That kid, that kid is a mauler. He plays with nastiness. He is a Bill Bedenboe guy. That's what Grant Briggs. Who else? Brody Hunter. I'll go. I'll go with Michael Hawkins. Hawkins uh, made the Elite Eleven Finals. Uh, low three, high three, low four, depending on the site. Uh, if he does well, which I think he will at the Elite Eleven. His stock obviously is going to rise quite a bit. Yeah, for me, there's a there's a couple names. Obviously, Bricks and Hawkins, like mentioned, are two guys that I believe their their stock will uh, rise a good amount. Um, but another name that comes to mind is uh, Michael Patterson McDonald. Um, I believe he'll be in next weekend at the Champion Barbecue. He's a four star. Or not four stars. He's not even rated on some sites yet from Westmore. I believe his stock is going to go up a good amount uh, over this this offseason and his senior season. And then another name guy who his stock might rise a little bit this year. I believe it will. That's Jayshon Ross. And Oklahoma is a very good spot there with Jayshon Ross. If you follow the uh, Oklahoma crystal ball, page on twitter you may have seen that some were entered for him today jay sean they are, yeah. i have seen and heard that they are absolutely pushing all the buttons to get jay sean ross to commit yeah um as far as more names I, as far as more names i did not hit on um david stone yes uh, he, I believe, yeah, I hit on that. Uh, names I didn't say are in town that are uh, Eddie Pierre Lewis, Eli Bowen, um, Eugene Brooks, another four-star uh, offensive lineman, and then Braden Platt. Braden Platt, the linebacker, that is Oklahoma's like primary linebacker target at this time uh, out of Washington. Uh, Oklahoma signed two guys from Washington last year. And Heath Ozida and Josiah Wagner, they're going to look to sign another one out of that state as well. Braden Platt, uh, some sides has him, some sides have him as a four, some sides have him as a three, and that's another guy whose stock could rise a lot uh, in this upcoming over the next couple months. Jackson, uh, one thing going back to something you said, I, I'm not going to say much on recruiting. I don't follow it very closely, but when you you said something about they're really pushing Ross to commit. What is there a difference between that and every other guy that they're trying to recruit? Are they not pushing everybody to commit? What can you explain what you're talking well, about? Well, the thing is, we've heard for the longest time that Ross didn't have plans to commit till the end of his senior season because he wanted to focus more on that. And Oklahoma, as you know, wants to have all their class committed, or pretty much the the majority of their class committed, exception of a few guys by the end of July because they don't want to have to deal with recruiting in season because Brent Venables is a guy that is more focused on the team in season than recruiting. And that's why you last year 
didn't see them host many official visits at all during the season. Except there's a few guys, and like Hicks and Damian Sanford were the only guys that really come to mind that were like really big that they hosted during the season that I can remember. But it's just that they focus on more of the play of their team in season than recruiting. Yeah. Um, and again, like Jackson mentioned at the beginning, this is one of two back-to-back huge recruiting weekends, and we talked about it on our video when we talked about Bryant Wesco. Things can change. Like, things have changed that have yeah. happened that have hurt Oklahoma when guys take OBs, and this is Oklahoma's first weekend hosting official visitors. So you're going to see names that Oklahoma was not necessarily a favorite at all to land that the stuff just completely flips and that's going to happen. It's going to be wild. I believe we're going to see probably, I mean, a couple more commitments after these. Oh, I, I'd say a lot. Cause we remember how last, last year at this time was, well, but I would say, Oh, go ahead, Brody. I interrupt. I was just going to say about the thing about, you know, when Jason asked pushing guys to commit, we got to remember who we're talking to. He is one that says committing quote unquote, doesn't matter. So that doesn't, it, and that's I, I agree, Brody, with that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Age, commitments so, so, mean nothing. Okay, with committing, do you understand the policy that Brent Venables has with committing? Yeah, the all-in policy. The all-in policy. I, I will agree with you with that. That doesn't I matter? I agree with you with Venables, yeah. Yeah, I agree with Venables. Committing. Hey, Even yeah. like Clemson. Clemson has that same policy. So once they commit, like, it definitely means something. If you're talking about a, just schools that let players go on OVs, Still, I mean, he's still committed there, but um, it hey, definitely Hunter. matters. It definitely Brody, there was a massive name name you forgot to mention for the June 9th, and that's Zion Raggins. I mentioned him. Oh, you yeah. did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Hunter. Yeah. Hunter, what what are your thoughts on Poe? I know you talked to him uh, earlier on in the year. Kind of, what are you thinking on that? I, I'm very conflicted on it. Uh I saw the on three story that was put out after the Clemson weekend, which obviously uh, that might have been the biggest official visit weekend for any team in the country last week. And what Clemson was able to do, pulling in Sammy Brown and Bryant Wesco, and then hosting guys like Casey Poe as well during that weekend. And in that article, it was kind of implied that Oklahoma is going to miss that cut of OVs. But again, the five OV rule goes away july 1st that might be part of it is because off of what the rules say right now he's out of ovs uh but talking around it does sound like casey poe will still be at party at the palace the last weekend of july there is a thing too he i guess everyone's seen this story on twitter heard of it by now he's been having compliance issues i no one really knows why that is brody I, i don't know if you've heard any more on that on Casey Poe, but I agree that it's kind of conflicting. I think it's going to come down to Clemson, Alabama, and OU. That's me personally. Those are going to be the final three schools. For He's Kansas. at Texas Tech this weekend, and they are not as much of a pushover as it may seem. But I would agree, Oklahoma. There's, I mean, if he takes that party at the Palace, and Jackson mentioned the compliance stuff, that'll make it very interesting because I believe there was a player last year who had the same type of issue. But uh, another was, name, offensive lineman. They, they have been Keon Brown. No, Max Anderson is supposed to be uh, in town as well. And his brother, if you guys don't know, Nate Anderson is on the roster currently. But they're they're having a lot of O-linemen 
And the next weekend will be just another huge weekend for Oklahoma. So, so all you guys, I mean, are we in agreement that the, the one position you have to win out on is defensive line then, defensive tackle? Yeah. Yes. Defensive line in general, yes. And, but but in, interior defensive line, I know Todd Bates gets sl- slandered so much, and I still don't understand why. I understand he hasn't landed his big fish yet, but you have to look at Oklahoma as proven much on the defensive side of the ball yet under Brett Venables and Todd Bates, even though they have a previous track record. He has a show he can do to OU, and I think he has a very good chance to land David Stone. And another guy that I want to hit on for a minute is Devon Mitchell. Uh, he's supposed to be camping on OU on June 15th, or I believe that's still in the works. Brody, I don't, Hunter, I don't know if you've heard anything on that, if that's Are confirmed. Who? Uh, Devon Mitchell, he's supposed to be camping with OU. I also think Caden Durham is going to camp with OU too. Yeah, Oklahoma, Devon Mitchell, that, that one would shock me if it wasn't OU. Yeah, um, he's committing on July 8th. Um, but next weekend, I talked about kind of Oklahoma having to flick, flip some things back in favor. And we mentioned the defensive line. They're going to have to do some work with Joseph Jonah Joigne next weekend. And David Stone, he'll be able to – I mean, he's in town with Winnery helping, working on that. He'll have to help work on JJA. I know they have a good relationship, but they'll have JJA, Don McKinley, David Stone and Nigel Smith all in for OB's next season or next weekend. But yeah, they're going to have to do some work there, which I'd imagine they will do. But is it enough to surpass Georgia, who will also get an official visit from JJA? And guys, I have a question for all of you. Uh, if OU lands Williams Winery, Danny Okoye, Nigel Smith, but they don't land David Stone. Do you still call us a successful defensive line class, or do you? You have to get Stone. He's from he's from Oklahoma. He's your backyard. You have to get him. I wouldn't worry about that scenario. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. With that. I wouldn't But if something like that does happen, because it's a world of recruiting, and it's to crazy. me, to me, I, I know Nonary is like the number one, and you, yeah, I mean, I obviously you want him, but Okoye and Stone are literally in your backyard. Well, you also have to think in-state, about Hunter, you talked about in-state guys for the last year. You can't lose the two one, two of the best defensive linemen. In I, I do. As of right now, as of everything stands, as we know it can all change pretty quickly, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that with Stone. I think – I think uh, just going to say that. I think yeah, we won't have to worry about that with Stone. I, uh, I think the last two weeks – these last two – these two weekends say a lot about what Stone thinks. Hey, exactly. Are we getting to the point in recruiting? And not just where Stone thinks, but where Stone stands with those. Yeah. Are, are we getting to the point in recruiting where, um, I, I mean, I'm going to throw an analogy out there. Jeremy would get it. Gosh. Now, listen, Jeremy would understand. Got to make it good, Jay. Got to make it good. Listen. When has Jeremy he ever had a good analogy? Well, if you'd let me That's finish. Question. If you'd let me finish, Brody. Okay. Uh, so, J- me and Jeremy were both in band. Okay. Oh, sure. And. Is. Listen, <laughs> in band, the, the playing that. last, playing the last one in the finals performances, when you played last, you were at an advantage. How big is it to get the that, last? That's official? actually a good analogy. Well, you, how big is it to get the last official visit? It's huge. It, it's it's huge. huge. Yeah. What have you done for me lately, guys? That's kind of the – that's what I'm thinking. I think the last visits are so massive now. Yeah, you, you see how it swings weekly when a guy goes on 
an OV to another school starts to shift a bit. So getting the last one in is definitely what you want, but in a lot of cases, it just doesn't work out. Well, the biggest is, for OVs before it, the uh, cool period where no OVs are allowed. So June's where the bulk of them are done. And a perfect example I have with what you just said is, as Brody said earlier, Joseph John Ojonier, uh, for the last like month, it's it, well, I'll say from like April to mid or no, April to late May, he loved OU, seemed like OU was a leader. And then Georgia got in there, and now Georgia's the leader. Things can change. Keep in mind, Georgia is Joseph Jonah Joyne's dream school. Yeah. Well, we've heard that said a hundred times, aka Peyton Pierce. I, I think it's a I think either way it's a, it's kind of like it could be either way in your favor because if you if you bring a guy in early in the season to OU and he has a great visit and he commits, boom, right? So I mean yeah, either way. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you said earlier, guys, it's uh we're gonna tell a lot and it's kinda like a canker sore. The next fourteen days or two weeks, you know, goes away. That's kind of the same thing. We're gonna know in two weeks where OU stands on a lot of these. And with the, with the mentality of what have you done for me lately, let's transition because that's a lot of fans' idea with Skip Johnson, to be honest with you. Uh, they remember what happened last year as he led them uh, to the championship series, and now it's like people are starting to wonder, is he the guy? I think Skip, I think he is the guy. Uh, and really, uh, we'll let Hunter kind of lead with some baseball stuff here. I know there's some guys that have entered the portal. They have a pretty good nucleus uh, that's coming back. Uh, just thoughts on baseball because there's a lot of that mentality of, what have you done for me lately? Well, that that mentality is awful. The team lost 11 guys to the draft last year. Like, you're looking at uh, – I know you guys are Royals fans here. At least four out of the six here are Royals fans. And uh, when MLB.com updates their uh, prospect rankings, David uh, Sandlin – Will probably be a top ten prospect in the Ranger or the Royals organization. Doesn't take much. Like that. That's how good that weekend rotation OU had was last year. So to lose that entire rotation to even make the tournament is a huge accomplishment. They lost a lot to the draft. They lost their starting catcher, starting first baseman, starting shortstop, entire weekend rotation, the best part of their bullpen. So. It happens, and the portal happens, too. Uh, it's not any different for OU compared to any other school. A lot of schools have guys, a lot of players in the portal as of right now. It is a little interesting. Uh, Clay Overcash's departure was not expected. That's uh, I'm still a little shocked. I'm, I, I just I, I don't know the reasoning behind any of it. I, I do think it's really odd, and then today – uh, to lose Wallace Clark to the portal. That's another tough one. On He's had a rough season, but he was starting to turn it around as one of the best gloves on the team at third base at the hot corner. So it's tough, but again, uh, they're not guaranteed gone. There's always the chance that they could come back. Uh, baseball, it happens more than I would say other sports on guys just entering to kind of get a feel for what their options are, because with the portal now, that's your only option if you want to look around to other programs. You can't do it if you're still on roster, so you have to enter and just get a feel for things. Uh, losing 
the freshmen is really the ones that honestly yeah. hurt the most. Caden Powell, Tavion Vaughn, Julian Hatchum. Uh, there might be more in that. Uh, Hunter. Not sure yet. I think it would have happened already. Let me ask you why, just because I agree. A couple of those freshmen, uh, with the way the, the staff was this year, is there – I mean, it seems like they could have worked some of those guys in there. Oh, of the freshmen to enter, only one truly could have been worked into playing time this year. The lefty. That's Julian Hatchum, yes. He should have got more time out of the pen. Uh, with the inconsistencies of the bullpen, I would have liked to see the freshman get a chance to prove himself. Obviously, he's going to have the freshman struggles, but – I, I like the potential with Hatchum, and I think he committed to North Dakota State. Yeah, he did. So, hey, Caden Powell got worked at DH a little bit. It, it wasn't much, though, and you can't be shocked by that. It was uh, The lineup really was pretty solid all year round. There's only a few guys that were going to get uh, moved in and out, being like Diego Moody's or Sebastian Orduño. Rocco. And Rocco Garza-Gongora. And then maybe Jackson Nicholas, Wallace Clark, you know, there was some movement there at times. So that that kind of Caden Powell's on the outside of that. He's a freshman. He is local from Clinton, Oklahoma. That part hurts. Tavion Vaughn's, I was really hoping he would stay. I really like his potential. But seeing that he was already uh, playing summer ball when the team was in Virginia for the regional, I kind of expected that one. I thought it would have happened a little sooner, and he kind of took a little bit of time on it. Um, and, again, that just depends on – he's not guaranteed to play next year even if he would have stayed because we don't know what the outfield's going to look like. I don't know what Kendall Pettis's number is, what Bryce Madrin's number is for the MLB draft. Depending on where they get drafted, uh, they might come back. There's a very good chance they could. Now, those two, I think, will get drafted at some point. I just don't know what they're – their signing number is that would make them decide to uh, come back. Yeah. Speaking on that, it just kind of does stink. I would honestly say to lose a lot of freshmen to the portal, but I know that is common, but I know that the coaches have done that probably had some to do with it, but also some freshmen these days now get upset because they don't get playing time immediately like they expect and they just want to leave. That's why the transfer transfer portal, that's why I'm, that's the one reason why I'm against it besides NIL is that these players can just leave and not have to work and earn a spot. Well, it's a little different though in baseball, I think, because I think in baseball, some of these players, like especially pitchers, man, you have one really good year of playing, your your draft is yeah. just you don't have to have the longevity, I think, as other sports. Does that make sense? I mean, I think you have a good live arm and you're getting PT. It doesn't matter what school you're at. If you're at OU or you, it doesn't matter. If you're putting up good numbers and you're getting a lot of innings, you're going to get noticed and you're going to get drafted. I mean, and, and the draft pool is a lot larger than it is in basketball or, you know, other sports. So, Yeah, it's 20 rounds of 30. Uh, yeah. With four-year schools, though, it doesn't matter where you're at because you're there for three years. You're, you can't go yeah. pro till three years after high school. Uh, with Wallace Clark, though, back to that, uh, McKenzie ends up coming back. He's another one that his draft stock depends on it. Dakota Harris as well. Uh, Jackson Willits is coming in, and 
even if these guys do come back, he I would be shocked if he's not in the lineup in some way. Yeah, uh, won three state championships this past year at his school, Fort Cobb, Broxton, uh, Class B school, uh, fall ball, baseball, basketball, and spring baseball. Son of uh, associate head coach Reggie Willits, one of the best bats in the entire country. He'll be getting drafted uh, next month as well, but I would be shocked if he's not coming to OU. Yeah, I, think, right. I believe there's a guy in the 2024 class. I follow him on social media. I don't know. Matt Scott may be his name. Hunter, I don't know if you if you know how to my last name, Scott. I'm sure I know who it is. I, I would have to see. Well, I've seen some of his highlights on Twitter from PBR Baseball and stuff. That kid looks like a pretty impressive player and someone I get to make an impact at OU. I don't know if maybe you can find his name, if you can find his correct name. I think. I think the excitement around the baseball program is going to be ramped. I mean, there's going to be high expectations next year for sure because of the group they got coming back, especially the bats. If they can just get any help on the staff, it's going to be an exciting year. So looking forward to that next year. Uh, I know two weeks ago, guys, we did a Sooner shout-out uh, segment, so we're going to do that again. Uh, so we'll just start. Anyone who's got a Sooner shout-out to go ahead. Go ahead, Jackson. I'll start off with mine. Uh, World Series MVP, Jordy Ball, man. She absolutely delivered. She is very, very clutch. I think that's the right word to use for her. The pressure does not phase her. As Patty Gasso first quoted, uh, she's been like this since she was delivered out of the womb, man. And Jordy Ball dominated the Women's College Softball World Series and showed on display why she is the best pitcher in the country. Uh I have one, and it is Grace Lyons. It's just because all she's done for OU led this, really just been the leader for this OU softball team through these three national championships. I'm gonna go off of softball here, and I'm not even gonna go. I'm not even gonna say an athlete. Okay, I'm going Toby Keith. Hey, my sooner okay. shout out is Toby Keith. He's been battling cancer. He's if you saw the video of him with the softball team singing, how do you like me now? Well, how they, can you not love Toby freaking Keith? Shout out to him. Prayers with him as he continues to battle cancer. He's a true Sooner fan uh, to heart. So my shout out is Toby Keith. That's a really good one, Jeremy. I, I like that. I'm, I'm going to go and this, I mean, it, of course, some, a lot of the people you said other than Toby Keith, the two you said, Jackson with Lions, and I think Traber, maybe Traber said Lions or whatever. But I'm going to go with Joe Castiglione. And this guy continues to put out championships at Oklahoma. When you talk about gymnastics coach, two back-to-back, you've got women's softball. She's won three in a row, six out of the last ten. Um, I'm thinking football's around the corner to get one. Um We'll see on other sports, but Skip Johnson last year, guys, in the in the championship. I mean, that's huge. I mean, there's just so many of the sports. Golf. Look at Ryan Hibble just dominating. Okay, so I just think it's Joe Castiglione. I know we, we you can't say he's undervalued, but the guy is just in the statue. He said it's not putting the statue out. Give him another prop for that because that's and it sounded like it was already in the works. He just hadn't announced it yet. So. Just kudos to, to Joe freaking Castiglione. Yeah, my Sooner shout-out, I've done it, I think, once before. Uh, Going to go back to Cade Horton. 
every time he's getting the start in the minor leagues, he's just having a career best performance. This week he picked up his first win for the Chicago Cubs high A team and, and a career high 10 strikeouts, only allowing two hits in five innings. Uh, Cade Horton is going to be a guy we're going to be hearing his names in the big league uh, pretty soon. Uh, maybe sooner than you would think, depending on what direction the Cubs decide to go in uh, this season. Brody, I don't know if you have a shout-out, but why don't you shout-out to some things you've been hearing with the basketball program? Because I know there's some uh, things that are kind of moving there. There's certainly things that are moving. So uh, this week, DeMarco Dunn, North Carolina transfer. Uh, actually, you know, he, Oklahoma and him had a little bit of traction. Uh, but ultimately, Oklahoma elected to turn down DeMarco Dunn. Um, and that left them with 12 roster spots. And then they announced the hiring of Brock Morris, former Oak, Ole Miss, not Oklahoma, Ole Miss assistant. And Brock Morris, the thing that's interesting is he spent a lot of time at Louisiana. And mm. now we see a portal entry from Louisiana star Jordan Brown, who was primarily recruited to Louisiana by Brock Morris. This guy is the number two overall prospect available, according to On3, former McDonald's, McDonald's All-American, averaged 19.2, 19.3 points per game last year and 8.6 boards last year, and was um, in his 6'11", also was on a tournament team last year. So Jordan Brown, that is the type of guy that could take Oklahoma to a top 20 team next season. Percentage Jordan, we get him. Percentage we get. That's okay. That's a very interesting question because Oklahoma is, they're going to push for it. It's going to be uphill because, you know, when you have a guy who averaged 19.3 points at 6'11, grad Trent, like he's going to be wanted by a lot of schools. So do you think that's it, why we hired Brock Morris? I don't think that's why. I think it might be why they turned down DeMarco Dunn because they know that they have Brock Morris already working on Jordan Brown and. That relationship is going to pay – that relationship is going to be huge. To answer the percentage question right now, I put it at like 25 to 40%, somewhere between there. But that could very easily change. Just depends on who is reaching out to uh, Brown and what the schools look like. So but whenever you say they turned down DeMarco Dunn, do you mean they turned on him from visiting or from him being able to commit? being able to go to Oklahoma. Is this guy a, a more offensive? Yeah, uh, 19.3 points per game. He's not the same, but is he comparable to Jabari Brown, but offensive game? Brody doesn't know Jabari Brown. Latin. How about Latin? Kadeem Latin, he's, but offensive game? He's way taller than Kadeem Latin. Yeah, that's why I said way Jabari more Brown. Of an offensive Jabari Brown game. was 6'11". Way more of an offensive game than Kadeem Latin. Yeah. He would be – I mean, you could then you could bump Hughley to the four, and that's the person I talked to about that situation was just a little bit worried about how that would go with Hughley already being signed and how that's going to affect the minutes situation for Brown. What does it look like there? More but in, in my Spangler? not from behind the arc, but from down low, certainly. Okay. And Jordan hey, Brown, buddy. I mean, yeah. When does this have to be done by? Before. Sometime in probably August. I mean, he's a grad transfer, so 
You want to get him in early as possible. Though. You want to get – I mean, they already – they brought in Caden Cooper. They brought in Jacob Cole. They brought in all their transfers. They already signed them all. Javion McCollum's posting about him and Hughley getting work in at – I think it was like 8 a.m. in the morning. But, that I mean, we talked about big weekend for um, football next weekend. It's also a huge weekend for basketball next weekend. T.O. Barrett told me that he's going to take his official visit to Oklahoma – Next weekend, that is, and I haven't put this out anywhere else, so those are the ones that made it 44 minutes, got to hear that. But with T.O. Barrett, he is probably the biggest target, and that this is crucial for Porter Moser because he's from Norman North, but he transferred to Link Prep. And if you guys are familiar with Link, or not Link Prep, Link Academy in Branson. If you guys are familiar with Link Academy, it's actually where signee Jacob Cole played last year, but this is a – this is the national, like Geico national championship team. They won it all last year. Link Prep is one of the top high schools. So T.O. Barrett is going to get a lot of recognition. He's a four star right now on some sites. He's very underrated. He's six four point guard. So he is going to get a lot, especially when he plays in Peach Jam. He's going to get a lot of recognition from bigger schools that are recruit that are recruiting him right now. He's been all OU. His mom is all OU. His mom's a huge OU fan. Shout out to her. She was, you know posting all about Oklahoma softball and all that uh, over this past week. But, yeah, he'll OV, and it is going to be crucial for Moser to just lock that down, get that done before he plays in Peach Jam, before he plays a game at Link, Link Academy. And they did have – he told me they had a team camp this week or something. Yeah, speaking of – Or next week. Of him, just like you said, he's an insane kid out of Edmond North. He's just someone that you have to get. Like these in-state kids, it's the same in football. If there's a highly touted in-state kid, I know that we all had some our we all had some disagreements over over Brent Brandon Garrison. Even I think OU should have gotten him, but he's gone Oklahoma State. Yes, I know. Same with Parker Fredrickson. No, you didn't recruit him, but I think there's just kids in state that if you have the opportunity to give them, they don't come around very often. You have to make the most of your opportunity. And Brody, I know this is a thing we rehashed a while ago, but I don't know if maybe OU still has a chance with Aiden Sherrill. I don't know. Oh, OU certainly still has a chance there. Bama is going to be very hard to beat, and he transfers well to Prolific Prep, which is another one of the huge yeah. schools. So, I mean, that's going to be really tough, but, uh, He's one of those guys who there he OV'd a couple weeks ago. They're in it. It's gonna be really tough. Gonna to be very much an uphill battle. But uh yeah, they'll they'll probably take so no matter what, they'll have as it stands two spots open next year because Dart Hard and Suarez are both gone next year. Um but like I said, you if you can get Jordan or no, they'd have three because right now they have an open spot. But if you can get Jordan Brown, that is out of the portal. That is the one that takes you to the next level. That takes you to being a top team in the Big 12. That That is what you need to do if you're Porter Moser and staff. It's going to be very tough. So if it doesn't happen, you're just kind of like, well, they would be – I mean, that that's very tough to land him. But if they do, that would be just massive for this team. And already he's done a great job in the portal. He's came out and said – that it, they're going to run a completely different pace of offense. Which Thank I know, God. Yes. Yeah, which is weird. It's weird coming from Porter Moser saying it, that. It is weird, but I think he Realizing fully – I think to. he I think he fully understands that if he does not do good this year, he's probably gone. And I've also heard some stuff about how they might try a little – they might try some pressing stuff that we've seen teams in the Big 12s do in the past. But I, this, this press, just, I love it. I mean, it, you just – 
impressed. It's just going to be a lot of different stuff this year because everyone they brought in, Porter Moser mentioned their ability to play in transition. What did they need to bring in? Shooting, defense, athleticism. So far, they've brought in all of that. Now, if you can get the 6'11 center out of the portal, that would be massive. Hey, bro, a guy quick. that's not Tanner Groves. I'll be happy with that. Hey, <laughs> hey, one of the reasons I think Porter is probably thinking this is he realized after two years of buying pizzas and trying to get fans into this thing, it's not happening unless you got a, a, a team that's got, got a good style of offense. You got to be you got to be exciting. That's why the McCollum, that's why the McCollum uh, signing is so big because that is an exciting guard. Although but, you win, people show up. Yeah. yeah. That is fast. And, yeah, speaking of them being able to win, I know that Porter Moser wants a new arena, and I know that I'm in. I'm a fan of the ability to have a new arena. But I think that they have to show on the court they can have to have some success before Josie's even going to consider giving them a new arena. Yeah, for sure. Uh Appreciate Brody giving us the basketball intel. As always, he's one of the best on Twitter, if not the best, uh, when it comes to covering you hoops, uh, constantly giving updates on there. Uh, if you have not already, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Sooner Surge. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. I know Jason and Jeremy have been putting out the Sooner Surge at six daily. Subscribe and turn on the notifications so you're the first to see it. Six o'clock every single day. Uh, that's going to do it for another episode of the Sooner Surge. Uh, boomer. <laughs>